Man, I no, I have not watched that. Um, I've seen a lot of hype about it, but I just haven't got around to even watching. I don't know. I don't even know if it'd be something that actually interests me or not. I've seen the preview on Netflix, and it just wasn't something that, like caught my attention. Where I was like, I need to watch this right now. Right. That that like little preview that Netflix does is is a very big like make or break thing for me. If it's good and interesting, I might I'll put that on like my list to watch. If it's eh, I'll just scroll to the next item. Yeah. In the next uh, show. <clears throat> I don't remember what the preview was. I mean, what was that preview? Because I don't really remember. I just remember hearing about Squid Game a lot, and I wasn't on Netflix a lot at the time because I was doing a lot of HBO, so eventually I just watched it to kind of keep up with current events. If I can tell you anything about the preview, I don't remember really remember it. It was about a month and a half-ish ago, back when it first came out, everyone was talking about it, that I just it was like number one on Netflix for like... A week straight, and so it'd be like the first thing that pops up as soon as you log into Netflix. Mm-hmm. So like it just the, the from what the little bit that it showed, like it kind of gave a preview of uh, like like how the the game itself works, and then the, some of the characters. And I was like, ah, this doesn't seem that interesting to me. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I thought it was all right. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was, so. It was obviously made. Um, I think I guess in Korea because I mean because they're all Korean in the show because um, they talk about they're in Korea so I imagine it was shot in Korea uh, but it, it's it, it's very obvious that it's dubbed over like okay. English voices and because you see it like it like almost lines up you know and then they got subtitles up and then like the subtitles don't quite match what they're saying either <laughs> and so then there's this whole like kind of distracted thing while you're watching it. Um, I, I don't know. Then that is an interesting concept for the show because, uh, you know, my, what a lot, what I've heard people say is it's very hunger gamesy, uh-huh. uh, which is fair. Um, it's a Korean hunger game, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not children. It's, you know, adults, which a lot, which but, a lot of children have watched that show. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Uh, well, and then the funny thing is they're playing children's games, you know, red light, green light, and, uh, stuff like, and tug of war and stuff like that. Um, uh, spoilers, so plug yours for a second if you want, but, uh, I mean, are you going to watch it? <laughs> so, no, I'm, no, okay, I'm probably so, not going to watch it. Uh, I might, maybe one day, but probably not. So basically, you know, it ends and like, you know, the dude that won... And he's, he's kind of your main character through the whole show. So you kind of figure that he's going to win. You know? Um, so they didn't really, like, surprise anybody there that he won. But, uh, you know, dude wins. And, and it's kind of in very dramatic fashion because, you know, the guy he's with the whole time, uh, you know, he's like, he's like, hey, come on. Let's, you know. So the, one of the rules in the game is if you both if if the majority of the players vote to stop, then they stop, which is a rule written in because you know everybody's dying and shit. So you know they figure they'll give them this out if they want it, right? Um. So he basically he he's in the end with his friend, and so he's basically like, "Come on, let's just tell him we don't want to play anymore." And there's like billions of dollars on the line. And he's just like, uh, his friend had a knife and his friend just like killed himself. And I was like, no, you get it. You take it. Cause I mean, dude had won the game. 
And he was like, all he had to do was like go. What the show is based on is like some kid's game called like Squid Game, and you have to get to different parts of the thing that's drawn on the ground. Uh-huh. And so he was like, you know, all he had to do was go walk to the like the end. And, but he came back and he was like, no, let's tell him we don't want to play. Fuck it, you know. And dude was like, no, sorry, you take the money, and he kills himself. That's one loyal ass. Yeah. Friend. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, dude wins. Would you kill yourself for me? No. Come on. Uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I wouldn't kill myself for you, but come on. You wouldn't kill yourself for me? <laughs> right. I'm me. So, and, you know, earlier in the show, his daughter had moved to, because, you know, he's not with the mother of his daughter anymore. So, like, her, him and the new, her, his, his, uh, his daughter and, you know, mom and stepdad, they'd all, they'd moved to America and so, you know, he's getting on the plane to go see his daughter, and then, uh, you know, he he gets a text that says, like, get on the plane, and so obviously, like, people are watching him, because he had tried to interfere with somebody else playing, and I, basically, guy's like, I gotta go back, and so he tries, and so that's how the show ends, is he's like, he walks out of the airplane terminal, and to me, it was just kind of like, I, get, I guess you're leaving it open for that second season, mm-hmm. is part of that. Um, but to me, um, I don't know that there should be a sequel to this just cause the way it is, is like, I feel like the whole point of this show is like, you're trying to find out, you know, wh- why this game exists and who's behind it. And then you find all that out. And then I feel like that should just be the end of the story at this point. I mean, to me, but is squid game, is it a... Original Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Well, then that makes sense why they'd want to leave that open. If you ever notice, Netflix has a habit of trying to leave doors open for series that really should only be one season. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean Netflix. I mean, everybody. Everybody, everybody that wants more money. I understand you want more money. Well, but like, to me, like, I feel like if you write... Like, this was a good show in its, in, in its entirety... And I feel like you just leave this alone. You know, I feel like if more people had the discipline to just go like, you know what? That was good. Let's just leave it alone. Well, it's like the series uh, 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. Series about a girl who killed herself and left 13 different tapes, each of them with a reason why she killed herself. Obviously, as you can guess, every episode is one tape. Yeah. So look at the last episode. That's the 13th reason why you found out all the reasons why she killed herself. In the series. Yeah. Right? No, wrong. They come out with the series too. Like, what the fuck? Did they unearth some other tapes that she recorded? Is it 14 reasons why? 15 reasons why? <laughs> like, that Like that, that series should have been one season. And, and here's done. these other 13 things that really bugged me. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I've always noticed with a lot of streaming services shows, and shows in general, and I guess maybe I'm noticing it now more because more streaming services are putting out their own content, but like... Yeah. The writers and creators will put their all into that first season. They'll put that, the first season will be great. And then the first season will do great. And then they get the second season and it just, it seems, excuse me, it seems like it goes downhill from the first season. Yes. Well, that's what happens with any show, any movie, anything like that, where it's like, why, why do all sequels to movies usually fucking suck? I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, but, you know, I mean, it's because you write this great thing. And then people go, oh, great. Can you give us another one? And then you're like, oh, uh, 
uh, yeah, sure, yeah, let me write this, let me write some stuff down real quick, you know, and I think that's why stuff is like, plus, and the other thing that's kind of the unfair advantage for that first show is, you know, like I said with Squid Game, the whole purpose is like, this: you're just being introduced to this, and, you know, okay, uh, why are these people here, what is going on, you know, you're only gonna discover, you're only gonna have the thrill of it that first time, you know, and then once you know that, that what everything's about, and then, yeah, and you have to, you have to create this new story. Okay, well, why do we still care about these fucking people? You know? I mean, same exact, same exact idea with, um, all these goddamn remakes. Right. Like, the remakes are almost never as good as what the original was. It seems like they're always trying to reach for that nostalgia factor. Yeah. And that annoys me. Yeah. Like, it annoys me. Yeah, absolutely. Or, like... Or, like, the characters do change, but then they change for, like, they're just, like, it's not interesting anymore, or... Yeah. There were all these remake movies, or... Well, it's kind of like a video game where it's, like... I I guess this... Personally, this is why I've gotten bored with most video games that I've played, is because it's basically just, like... I mean, obviously, there's exceptions to this rule, too. You know, any basic combat game where you just kind of, like, okay, this is how you shoot, this is how you jump, this is how you run... And then it's like, okay, now I'll run around and shoot all these people. And then it's like, okay, run around and shoot all these people. Yeah, and that's just this is level by level. I mean, that's just how it works. You know, I mean, same concept when you get introduced to these characters in a show or a movie or whatever, and then everything's resolved. And then it's like, so then there's a sequel, and you're like, okay, now they got to shoot these people. Or yeah, you know, it's like, it's like no, 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 they're still really cool. It's just, it's just now they got to do this. Like, now you have an extra uh, ability. Yeah. You got new weapons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> remakes of video games. So far, so I have not spent the $60, and I don't know if I will, to get the GTA uh, remakes, the ones of GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas. Because from what I've seen um, online, especially on the GTA uh, Reddit page, uh-huh. It is awful. Really? So, like, they upgraded the, like, the look and stuff like that and, you know, tried, you know, tried to give it more of, uh, like, a better, you know, a basic polish it to try and make it look prettier. Sure. But the studio that they had do it apparently failed at it horribly. Uh, As in, like... And yet they still put it out. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I guess they were pressured by Rockstar to get it out by the holiday season. And they uh. announced a project back in, like, August. So to polish over, you know, twenty-year-old games, they gave them like three months. And then, All so this so just th- to avoid making a new Grand Theft Auto. So then they sent it out, and like there were so many problems where like there's just weird glitches, stuff wasn't loading right. People like characters didn't look like how they originally looked. They look very, very extremely, extremely cartoony. Um, there's plenty of like memes and stuff like that of this game now. And I guess Rockstar is releasing patches to try and fix some of the stuff, but until I see it's actually, like, worth $60, I ain't fucking paying. I ain't buying it. Right, right. Like, not worth the money. Yeah. Not At least not for a turd. Yeah. Yeah, all that to, uh... So all they have to do is release GTA V for the seventh time. <laughs> so, Rockstar, stop releasing Grand Theft Auto V. Stop. Just, yeah. Release just another new, one. Just make a new fucking game. Or make if you're done... One. Just be done. Just, Just be done. tell us we're done. Tell, tell us you're done. <laughs> or don't tell us you're done. Do do to us like you did to us when you know with Midnight Club and just fucking stop making it. 
Right. Yeah, I would love to see another Midnight Club, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. Right. Yeah, Rockstar put out GTA 6. Although, there is rumors that GTA 6 will probably suck, but I don't know. There's always Oh, no, they've certainly had fucking time to make it good. They so. have had plenty of time, and yeah, we, th- there's nothing on it. They're just too busy trying to, you know, put out, you know, DLC packages for uh, GTA uh, 5 so they, so people can get, you know, like 20 new weapons and 3 new cars for $20. <laughs> Who the fuck wants that? And then I don't even play online on GTA 5 anyway because GTA 5 online is awful. Yeah. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. I think we got into this discussion in, a, in one of our first podcasts. Yep. Awful. Yeah. So, then the the other thing I had, I mean, I have a few things, but, uh, did you watch Tiger King when it was out? No. Okay. That's, that's another one I, like, I didn't really have an interest for. I just didn't Yeah, I didn't wanna. Uh, (laughs) Brie was very, was interested because I think she said her sister wanted her to watch it or something. I don't know. All I know She wanted to watch it and watched it. Carol Baskins killed her husband. Right, yeah. That's that's all I know. And apparently it's true because that's all I know. Right. I um, I will not be watching the episode of Tiger King. I think if the world wouldn't have been in the state that it was in when it came out, it would not have been as successful and huge as it was. And my thing with Tiger King when it came out was like, yeah, it was kind of entertaining when you watched it, like, first few episodes. And, you know, it was interesting to figure out, like, about these unofficial zoos and that everybody apparently can just, like, anyone can own a tiger, I guess. Um, however... Like, yeah, Joe, Joe Exotic's a wild character. I mean, you know, all those people are wild. But, like, I feel like when they made that, they signed up for too many episodes. After a while, they were just saying the same shit over and over again. You know, because they just, they eventually had to conclude it, but I think they had to fill a certain amount of episodes. Tiger King wasn't all that to me. And I'm not just trying to be, like, a contrarian douche. Where I'm like, you know, oh, I don't, oh, everybody likes that? I don't like it. Like, I, I just, to me, it wasn't for me. Maybe you like it, and that's fine. I don't mean you, I mean the listener. I'm listening, though. Sure. <laughs> well, the listener as a whole. Um, but I, to me, it just did not, like, get me. At all. Like, I was just like, okay, this is great. And then, like, I just think they had too many episodes to fill. Yeah, definitely Tiger King is one of those things that if, if you know, 85% of the U.S. and the world's population was not stuck at home quarantining. Yeah. Like, and nothing else to do, yeah, it definitely wouldn't have, would have blown up the way it did. Right. And well, I, I haven't even seen it. I mean, you know, I'll check right now. Aren't they there? But they, I don't uh, even think I've seen it in the top ten since the new episodes have been on there. So, Netflix current top ten. Lost in Space, True Story, Power of the Dog, Queen of Flare, Selling Sunset, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Life, School of Chocolate, Bruised, A Castle for Christmas. This is December 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Yeah. Red Notice um, dropped off of that. That was on there yesterday. It was not, it was number eight yesterday. Yeah, it was number eight yesterday. Yeah. So well, and I guess as long as I have brought up True Story, I have read the note. I read. I that's that one with Kevin Hart, in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched first episode. Uh, I almost didn't finish the episode, but my kind of rule is when you're trying out a series, just get through at least the first episode. Uh, episode. Give it a chance. Like, whatever it is. Because some things start bad. Yeah, I always say that the first episode is probably going to be the worst episode you watch. Because they have to introduce you to everything. The the introducing you to people and how they are is probably the most awful part of any series. Like, I'd much rather jump into episode two and then just pick up on everybody. 
Right. Instead of being like, well, this is this person. They do this, this, and this, and they're a little bit. Or watch episode one, like, after you finish the first season and just go, oh, that's, oh. That's why he acts yeah. like that. Oh, makes sense. Oh, they died. Oh, his brother died, like, yesterday. That's oh. why he's so upset. <laughs> we have never guessed. Yeah, so what I wrote about True Story was, and spoilers here just a little bit. Watch first episode, almost didn't finish it. Kind of cheesy start. Acting wasn't bad, just nothing really like drew me in. Whole thing with a girl dying of an overdose in his hotel room was a little weird to me. Like just calling ambulance, it's, like it's not like uh, it's pulp. not like he made her take the drugs. Pull out the pulp fiction bag. <laughs> it's not like he made her take the drugs. Part of me thinks you'll find out his brother had something to do with it later, but we'll see. His brother called like a mobster dude to take care of the body, and then dude wanted an outrageous amount of money. In the end of the episode was what drew me in and why I will watch episode two because then he kills the mobster dude after asking the dude how he got the body downstairs and out of the room. And so he fucking strangled the guy. And uh, I'll at least watch the next episode and see if it keeps my attention. And, well, okay, yesterday it was number one on Netflix. So I said it's number one on the net on Netflix at the moment, so it can't be too bad, right? Yeah. So that's that's the kind of the current events I got. So, today we're going to do uh, Manifest. So, uh, Season 2, because we did Season 1 already. Um, so, let me ask you, because I know you kind of want, or correct me if I'm wrong here. My understanding was that you and Tasha was like a show like you guys watched, right? Mm -hmm. And so, now when I, I think I asked this on the last one, but I don't remember the answer. Was it, like, more of a her idea or your idea? Or, like, was it just something you guys were sitting there and it's like, hey, let's watch this? Or, like, how did that come to be? We had, we were looking for different shows to watch on Netflix, and that was one, one of the ones that came up. And at the time, uh, my dad had watched the first season. He said he said he liked it. So we're like, let's give it a shot. And then we watched it. And it was pretty high up on Netflix. Like, it stayed yeah, that, at that time, yeah, on Netflix at that time, it was, it was up number one or number two. And it was up there for a minute yeah and this was back like july or august of uh this year yeah 2021 if you're watching this in the future which you probably will be because you can't listen to it right now in the present yeah um, <laughs> yeah so i um i i mean i i was not shy about saying that i did not like it i mean was your so how has your vibe been through this show because like i i hate to show on things people like but like how what have you thought of the show going through it i liked the first season, and I feel like after the first season, it started to get a little bit too much. Uh -huh. The second season was all right, in my opinion. Like, it still kept my attention, but, like, when the third season hit we watched it, it was just, it was a lot. Like, and it was jumping all over the place. And So, third, so as, it gets worse, huh? The third season does not get any better. Uh -huh. That's that's the bad thing. And then, like, how I stated in the last podcast we did for this series, almost every, well, Come the uh, second season, every single fucking character gets on my goddamn nerves. Every single one of them's annoying. Every single one of them has their annoying tendencies. I'm just like, shut, stop. Why? Why are you doing this? See, I just, I attribute a lot of that to, I think these actors are just not oh, good. Awful. I think all these actors are just bad actors. <laughs> and, you know. Not that any of them are listening, but like, you know, I hate to offend. But well, here's, like, I mean, here's the thing with that. It's like, you know, most, you know, most actors got to get their start somewhere. 
Yes. So, you know, obviously when a series goes with a bunch of actors that are pretty, like, no-name actors that you really wouldn't be able to tell in a lineup. Right. You know, you're going to have where, you know, they may, they may be their first big role, so they may not be all that good, or maybe the chemistry between some of the actors just isn't adding up properly. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, if you have a series with, like, a veteran actor, and you're like, oh, yeah, you can tell that, you know. Right. Unless if it's, like, fucking Vin Diesel or The Rock, where they just play the same fucking character. Right. I guess, I guess, I feel like have someone not knowing who you are should typically be, like, an advantage for an actor. Uh-huh. Just when I watch something like, like nine times out, like if I watch something with Bruce Willis, I'm watching that and I'm going, well, that's Bruce Willis, <laughs> you know. Whereas like, I, um, I I never ended up watching the movie myself, but what was that movie uh, with Tom Hanks where that dude takes over the plane? Oh, Sully. No, 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 no. That was the about the crash. Are you talking about the, the, river. the ship? Or yeah, the ship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Captain it, Phillips. Yes, Captain Phillips. Thank you. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Yeah. That's a good I, movie. You I should never watch actually, it. Yeah, I never actually wa- ended up watching the movie We should do that. Myself. One. Yeah, we can do that. Um, but I remember just all the noise being about that dude being so great in it. And, you know, I'm sure that guy was great. Like I said, I didn't watch the movie. But like a lot of different people who get their start, it's like, that guy was amazing. It's like, also, you have no other context to that guy. So, like... As long as he did, like, half a good job, you were going to be like, that dude's doing great as an actor. Whereas, like, you know, and I feel like a lot of these people are, like, set up for, like, I have not seen any of you before, and a lot of these people just suck. not trying to be mean. I just feel like Jared's decent. Ben's actor is terrible. Uh, The wife is, like, has her good and bad episodes. Uh, The teenager gets annoying. Ugh. And, but, like... Also... And, like, TJ's fine. Also, children actors are awful. You cannot tell me that I, every children, every child actor is fucking awful. And I hate them. It's like, uh, Tasha likes, or thinks that, you know, the actors in, like, the, the one show was a young Sheldon. Like, oh, they're good actors. They're fucking children. They fucking suck. I hate it. I hate every bit of it. Well, you don't like children either, so that's not No, really I fair. don't. Fuck but, your kids. Uh, Michael Jordan. <laughs> um... But, well, okay. The kid in the sixth sense did a goddamn good job, but I don't think it's fair to say all that all kid actors are bad. But most of we them can are. move past that. Especially, yeah, a good majority. Especially when I they got to like, do a crying scene. But I feel like Cal's a better actor than fucking Ben's actor. Dude, I feel like through this whole series, he's probably been the better actor than a lot of these characters. But all right. Anyway, uh, moving on. So episode one, we're going back into. Continuing off of the season finale of, obviously, of, the, of season one, um, where Michaela is shot. 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 And Bang. after that little squabble, it's a word I don't ever use, ever, between Zeke and Jared. <laughs> just, just, just read the page. <laughs> Michaela is hit by a stray shot. She urges Zeke to flee the scene while Jared calls for help. Michaela has a calling involving Cal and a nose-diving airplane, which that calling kept on popping back up multiple fucking times through the season. Kate Bowers becomes the new police captain to tie up some loose ends and has Michaela reassigned to having Drea as her new partner. Grace and Ben share the news of the pregnancy with the rest of the family, but keep it a secret from Danny, the lover. Michaela 
connects a reported missing couple named Anson and Trina with two Flight 828 passengers. Ben notices a van watching him and other passengers. After Cal tells him to stay close to Michaela, Zeke turns himself into the police. Ben and Michaela find Anson and Trina. Anson's how you say his name, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. Near the George Washington Bridge, they helped them interpret their calling, which revealed that a car containing a family is trapped on the cliff after the father had fallen asleep. Grace has not told Danny about her pregnancy, still posing as a therapist. The major tells Sanvi to either open up more or go to a recommended support group. Ben confronts the occupants of the van and is abducted by someone who reveals, who is revealed to be the who we thought was dead, Vance, who's still alive, which I called that after watching that episode in season one. I looked at Tasha and I was like, he's not dead. There's no way he's dead. And then, I, then we saw the episode. I was like, told you, he's not dead. <laughs> They're not going to fucking kill him. He, he, play, he has too big of a part. It's fair. Um, yeah, notes uh, well, from what I can gather, just looking at them after reading the summary there, uh, uh, based on episode one. Uh, I forgot that the therapist, that the major was uh, um, posing as her therapist. That was sneaky. I like it. Um, sneaky whore. Um, I thought it was interesting that people were going to kill themselves over the callings. I guess everybody's got different ways of coping with things. Um, but, again, like, I feel like a lot of the things in this show, like, people are just really irrational about things. Like, in fact, these people are just bad dramatic actors. Like... There was one scene where, like, Ben yells at Michaela, and I thought it was the best acting he'd done in the whole show. Like, he got really angry, and he, like, fucking yelled at her, like, gave it to her. And I was like, hey, he can do mad acting. He's just a bad dramatic actor. <laughs> like, he's just he's just in the wrong role. He's just a bad dramatic actor. That's all it is. You know? If you're that guy, save your money. Because... I don't know how much the acting works can come rolling in after this show. Uh, I liked that Ben got kidnapped at the end of the episode, end of that first episode. I feel like I feel like the writing right away was better, where I was like, "Oh, something's happening." I felt like you know you kind of got the gist in season one that like, okay, a plane you know disappeared and came back five years later, and then like. Everybody just cried for five episodes about how they were gone for five years. You it's know? been five years. And, and like and like, my first note for this season was like, "You were gone for five years." Grace said she had a miscarriage with Danny. You know, and it was just like, "Oh, we we doing this shit again? <laughs> like, are we really right back?" Like first episode, like five minutes in, I'm pretty sure it was just like, "You were gone for five years." I'm like, "Again, again, we're doing this again." The first episode is called is named You Were Gone, you were for, gone five for Five Years. Five years. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and that so and the, I guess it was episode two where TJ TJ's kind of uh, introduced. Uh, yeah, I'll read. I'll, I'll go ahead and read the summary of episode two. So you know, Vance tells Ben that he pretends to be dead to better track the major. Michaela attends Zeke's trial where he pleads guilty to fleeing a crime scene. And Grace and Ben go to determine who fathered her baby. She gets a calling to tell her to halt. They realize the baby must be Ben's and the callings are, can be transferred via DNA. When Olive is told, she feels alone as the only family member not having callings and visits the Church of the Returned. What a whiny ass bitch. 
Yeah. Oh uh, my god. Yeah, my note was uh, fucking teenagers. Olive goes to the Believer's Church. What the fuck? That was the whole note. Um, Sambi reveals the news about the baby to the major in a therapy session. Ben meets TJ, an 8 to 8 passenger and college student who is called to dig up the body of a female classmate. Jared arrests TJ when his fingerprints are found in her dorm room, but Michaela's callings help her reveal a security guard is the real perpetrator. Ben meets an old friend who is now the dean at TJ's college, and she recommends he apply to work there. Vance and Ben realize the major has access to Zombie's DNA research. Cal and Michaela have the same calling again as Zeke is kept drugged in a special cell. Um, yeah, I think I didn't have any notes on that one other than the Olive thing. And the fact that, again, episode two, I was like, you know, these actors might be bad and I might be bored a lot of the time. However, that was a good tie-in where, you know, because if you remember that episode, TJ was like, I lost all my stuff. I don't have anything that, you know, because he was gone for five years. Five years! And been gone for five years. Yeah. And so they, I think I was better acting than Ben. Right. <laughs> so they gave all they gave all the stuff to his mom and then all the stuff uh, that his mom k- killed herself when he was gone for five years. And uh, she didn't even give herself the five years either. Right. And uh, then the stuff was thrown away. But apparently this college student who was killed Got all that stuff from the dumpster. Like, there was all his stuff from his dorm room. And, like, did art projects with shit. Like, that was her thing. And she'd dig around the trash and, like, do art projects with shit she finds in the dumpster. And so then, the whole reason he found her dug up was because he, uh, you know, the, the callings, whatever whatever this mysterious thing is, was like, hey, he should find his stuff. And so it helped him out. And so then, in the end of the episode, when he's found innocent, security card's guilty... And they go in a room. All his stuff's there. And he's got a picture of his mom. And he's like, oh, my mom. It's a whole thing. It was great. Um, that was good writing. You know? I, I I really didn't see anything like that that I liked in season one. But, like, right away, like, something happens with the whole van thing in see- episode one. You know, episode two. This whole thing. So, I liked that. And then I said Grace is annoying. I don't like that she has callings now. But I think that has more to do with episode three, which we're going a little long. So uh, we'll just jump right into episode three. Uh, Olive continues to attend the Church of the Return, who have become more fervent in their beliefs while Mike Michaela fights for Zeke in court. Aware someone is passing her research to the Major, Sami sets up a trap and identifies a mole in her hospital and her therapist as the leak. Working with Ben and Vance, Sambi identifies the Major as U.S. Army Major General Catherine Fitz, a specialist in psychological warfare with 30 years in covert ops. Meanwhile, Michaela helps Zeke get released from jail, and Grace fails to fulfill a calling when it comes to a woman named Erica and a gargoyle. That's why I wrote that note, because it was this. Ben is offered a job at TJ's college, but the hiring faculty member Simon White has a secret, sinister motivation as Erica is revealed to be his wife. The gargoyle sculptures on the college are then revealed. Angry at Michaela, Jared connects with a bartender named Tamara, who's, uh, something on my screen, uh, <laughs> whose bar is frequented by the Xers, the group that has been harassing the A28 passengers, and what they do not include in the summary right there is her brother is a big Xer. Uh, 
and the Xers, if you remember from season one, are uh, very against the people that came back on the uh, Flight 828. And they lie to Zombie in this episode, I believe, to like help protect her. Uh, ben has no poker face. He's he his actor, his character is an even worse actor than he has as an actor. <laughs> um, and Grace, like, fucking women get nasty to each other. Like, if you remember the uh, interaction, the conflict between those two is like, you know, she's like trying to help out this lady because uh, the calling is open her eyes. It's a whole stupid thing. And uh, she, they basically get in a fight, and the lady's like, you, like you're like being overbearing and. So, Grace calls her stupid, in essence. Like, I don't remember exactly what was said, but in summary, like, called her dumb. And then the lady uh, snapped back and was like, I hope you lose that baby. And it was just like, Jesus! <laughs> like, women are nasty. <laughs> I hope you lose that baby. Like, oh, God, damn. Like, you're pregnant, too. You don't think that's bad karma? Jumping into episode four, Michaela and Zeke share a calling that leads them to a bank that is being robbed. Michaela recognizes the gunman as an 828 passenger named Logan Strickland who has shared uh, the death date calling. They try to claim and persuade the ESU to wait while they ensure he gets into the safety deposit box he is after. At the same time, Ben and TJ work through a separate calling that leads them to Logan's brother Frank. Frank has the key to the safety deposit box and Ben takes him to the bank. Inside the box is a compass with a bullet in it that saved Logan and Frank's grandfather during World War II. Logan believes it will save his life, too, and he gives it to Michaela for safekeeping while he is incarcerated. Having learned about the death date, TJ is upset, and all takes him to the Church of the Return for hope. Following the incident at the bank, Jared meets Tamara for a date. Meanwhile, the Major realizes she has been exposed and zombies research stolen, has zombies research stolen from her lab and home. Zombie tells Vance she had isolated the trait and was working on ways to both grant it to others and remove it from those who have it. My note on the bank robbery episode was fine uh was that it was fine but i feel like this episode was filler i get it it's a network show certain amount of episodes to fill kind of like what we talked about earlier with um tiger king how you know kind of just started repeating yourself after a while not that they're repeating themselves in this episode five years <laughs> five years um but like if you remember even breaking bad had a couple episodes where it was like ah oh, this is filler like the yeah. fly episode 100% filler. You're watching that episode and you're like, I guess I'm going to watch this all the way. <laughs> but, like, just so I can say I watched it. But, like, this is filler. Yeah, there was, there was a few episodes <clears throat> in Breaking Bad where I was like, ah, if, when I rewatch this, I'm going to skip over this episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is this does kind of sum up the um, why I like a movie better than a show. However, the end of the episode is important. Major has lab work zombie uh, stolen from zombie. They lied to her. Uh, you know, they Ben and Vance lied to her first, so it's kind of an even trade that, like, you know, it comes back to bite both of them in the mm-hmm. end. But uh, it's definitely a big deal. The research is gone. <laughs> I said this show is so cheesy. Ben's a bad actor. Uh, <laughs> what you can't see is he has that written about five times in his notes. Uh, yeah, it's probably written a couple more times than that, quite <laughs> honestly. Um, like, I, did I write this down? I better write this down. <laughs> yeah, this, just, make, just to be safe. Um, yeah, okay, uh, episode five, Olive's the only witness when Xers vandalize the Church of the Return and attack a member, and Ben receives a calling to save her. Meanwhile, Grace's car is forced off the road by other Xers. In both instances, the police dismiss the seriousness of the events because the victims are passengers and the attackers appear random. 
While being treated at the hospital, Ben and Grace learned their baby is a girl and assumed the calling was about her. Ben and TJ review events and realize the extra attacks have been carefully planned to divert police manpower. Alb tells Michaela that she, what she saw and identifies a suspect who directs the police to a meeting for extras. Jared knows Tamara's brother Billy was involved, so he leaks the news of the coming raid to them and Michaela's strike team finds nothing. In return, Jared is introduced to Simon White, the organizer of the Xers. Meanwhile, Zeke tries to make amends with Courtney, a woman he wronged as an addict. She initially rejects him, but later identifies herself to Michaela as Zeke's wife. Olive tells her parents about visiting the Church of the Return. Ben tells Adrian to stay away from Olive. Um, now would be a great time to ask. What do you think of Adrian? I uh, feel like what he's doing overall um, is very cultish and that it's kind of wrong. But at the same time, I can't get mad at the dude because I feel like life gives you lemons. You know what I mean? So what do you think? I feel like it is a perfect representation of a lot of religions and organized religions and organized churches and stuff like that. I think it is a perfect example. You find something and you exploit the hell out of it to people who kind of believe and then make them believe in this like a lot of BS. Life gives you lemons and you become a con man. So you're of the life gives you lemons. And you become a con Not man. Not necessarily like a I, I, bad dude. But I like... think I think that he's a shitty person for doing it. But he's taking advantage of an opportunity. It's no different than what, you know, what, you know, some people have done in history when it comes to religious followings and churches and stuff like that. Yeah. Where you just, you know, you exploit something out really far to make people believe it. So, you know, Waco. <laughs> Waco. Waco. Did you ever watch that on Netflix? I did. It's an interesting series. It's decent. Uh,. Yeah, not that the acting that was fantastic, but it told the story well. So. Did you ever watch the uh, the Netflix documentary about the Oklahoma City bombing? No, I did not. A little fun fact out of that. The guy who did it was inspired and was outraged by the way that the, the Waco got treated. The way they got, you know, the whatever the name of the, the colony was. Yeah. The yeah, way that's that, slipping my mind this Yeah, moment. the way yeah. that they got treated, he was outraged by that, which led him to do the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, that that one is a tricky one, uh, ethics-wise, just because it's like, okay, on one hand, the dude was kind of a piece of shit in the way that he, you know, tricked people and, you know, just the way he manipulated everybody in that colony. Or could you call it a colony? I guess you'd call I, it yeah, colony. Whatever. Um, I know we're butchering the story on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time... That was really unlawful. But then, at the same time, they had a reason to go in there because he had all these guns. And why are you harboring all these guns? Like, what? What are you planning? Are you just simply defending yourself? You know. But like, I don't know. Anyway, do you think? Because there's two two theories on that one. I don't want to get too deep into it. Sure. But do you think that they they're the ones who set the building on fire, or the FBI and DEA is the one who set the building on fire? Well. Because if the you way notice, it's represented in the show. Because if you notice, the fire didn't start until they broke down one of the walls with the the battering ram on the militarized vehicle. Well, so they break down a wall. The way it's portrayed in the show is they break down that wall so they can tear gas the shit out of the place. And then, you know, what they explain kind of is the fact that, like, um, tear gas, you know, isn't necessarily, like, an explosive thing 
alone, but then when it's in that, like, a confined place and it just kind of builds up, that the tear gas was supposedly the reason it happened, was how it's kind of explained in the show. So, uh, that, that that's what I got. So, I thought it was that whole deal. So, that's, yeah, that's what I got. It's kind of one of those dirty things, just like, you know, if you believe the, you know, the United States... Uh, military shot down Flight 93 or not, or if the passengers actually took it down. Right. There's always that theory, you know. So, you know, there's there's the widely what it's always talked about. The you know the passengers rose up and fought against the hijackers and stormed the cockpit and crashed the paint the plane into the field in Pennsylvania. Yeah. There's the other theory where there were where, you know, military just came in like, okay, this is heading for the probably the fucking White House or the Capitol building, so let's just shoot this motherfucker down and just. Right. Because I mean. I don't know, like the crap, the like the debris that was fucking left on that was. I feel like there was not enough debris for it to be just a plane crash. But I don't know. Could whole, be. whole other thing. Yeah. Let's get back to manifest. If this ironically, nine eleven. Uh, yeah. Ironically, <laughs> it's, you know. <laughs> this was the nine eleven conspiracy episode. We would get into it. There are a bunch of nine threeers. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> there's a fantastic Louis C.K. bit. Uh, just, just side note where he's talking about, uh, he said he's listening to NPR with his kids one day and his, uh, 9-11, uh, doubters, right? And so they're like, he said his daughter goes like, what's that? And he goes, well, you know, it's people that are skeptical that, you know, 9-11, you know, was a terrorist attack, that it was an inside job or whatever. And then he says, daughter goes, oh, I thought they were saying nine 11 deniers. Nine people that are, that are just convinced that 11, they're denying 11. It's like, fuck this 11 shit. One teen. Bring us back one teen. <laughs> it goes nine, ten, one teen. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Anyway. Uh, let's see, we just read, read the episode five thing. Um, I feel like... Okay, apparently I was really irritated with this episode. Because this was aimed at you. (laughs) (laughs) I said, how can you say Pulp Fiction is long when you put up with this soap opera bullshit for an hour at a time? This show makes me physically angry. Uh, (laughs) I said, Zeke has a wife. That's rough. It works out, though. They're not really married. And this is where I got mad at the parents... In the show, Ben says to Grace about all of going to the Believer's Church, How did we not know? Because you're bad parents. You shove Olive in the corner. You know, you coddle Cal and his fucking callings. You know, and he's... I mean, you know, he had cancer, so I, you know... I imagine Olive's used to this at some point of, like, just kind of getting shoved in the corner. Your brother gets all the attention. He has cancer. I get it. I wish I got cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to stick my head in the microwave. But you shove all of them in the corner, you tell her not to act out of line, and then you run around chasing these callings all day, and, you know, you just, you just expect her to be perfectly behaved. I mean, that's kind of bullshit and bad parenting. And by and then I wrote, By the way, where the hell's Cal? The kid pops up everywhere he shouldn't be, and now he's nowhere to be found in this episode. So, anyway. On top of the running around, how the fuck do you maintain a job when you're just running around all day following these callings? Chasing callings? Yeah. How the fuck do you maintain a job? By the way, on the front page, a note that I uh, didn't read because it just didn't... 
the 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 theme was not as uh, highlighted in the in the uh, summaries, but it, it's Ren Ben's trying to get the job, and he gets the job, and I was like, it's about time we mentioned that Ben is a fucking bum without a job. Like just this whole show, he's just been running around. All of a sudden, he's got a Nissan Maxima last season, you know, and he's going and doing this kid's podcast, and like you're just like, and he's moving out. You know, it's like, where is all of this money coming from? You haven't worked since you came back. And I don't know if we know this or not, but he's been gone for five years. (laughs) You haven't worked for five years. Right. So, You think he's still got money in the savings account? Right. Uh, Yes, bad parents. Uh, And then apparently I was feeling... Again, that I needed to say the show's cheesy because I said the show is so cheesy. I thought it would be, it would feel less cheesy the longer it goes, but nope. So was that note. Uh, let's read episode six. Uh, ben and Michaela learn zombies trying experimental treatments on herself. Courtney asks for help with a large debt to a dangerous drug dealer named Lucas. Zeke and Michaela try to catch him in a sting operation. Michaela finds pills hidden in Zeke's razor. Ben and Zombie share a calling about a young boy named Theo, excuse me, who they learn is 828 passenger Finn Noack's illegitimate child. When they meet Theo, Zombie recognizes signs of liver failure in the boy, and Finn is a donor match. Meanwhile, Olive and TJ research an ancient tarot deck connecting to a calling and learn its creator was a, a mariner named Al Zurus. Grace is asked to participate in a magazine story about the first A to Eight baby. At tomorrow's bar, Jared informs Billy how Michaela's return started to affect his life. Zombie experiments on herself again, triggering a shared calling between herself, Michaela, Ben, and Adrian, involving a crashed airplane and falling ash. Uh, yeah. So as far as that goes, am I the only one who thinks? I obviously I, I know I'm not the only one. Uh huh. Why the fuck don't Ben and Zombie just get together? I feel like they'd be perfect together. I feel like their chemistry works well, pretty well. I think it's because Ben's already married. But fucking, she's in love with Danny. You cannot tell me that she does not still love Danny. Well, and then she like lied about it. It was hiding them, and it was like, I just, I think that I, I, I strongly dislike Grace's character. I dislike all of them, but I strongly dislike Grace. Don't okay. fucking Ben just leave Grace? Go be with Zombie. Zombie's cute. Y'all look cute together. I it's more of a stay together for the kids thing, you know? Fuck them kids. One's a spoiled so little I've, cancer brat. So the other one's a spoiled teenager. That was, uh, a, little, that was a little insensitive. Yeah, a little bit. Ah, it's just uh, <laughs> Let's see. We just... Yeah, okay. Threw you off. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, no, it's good. Um, I wrote that Jared is just a prick now. Uh, apparently the lieutenant is too. I said Ben probably isn't going to be happy if this dude from the 828 flight ends up banging his daughter. By the way, wasn't Olive with some kind of a friend of Cal's last season? As dramatic as the show is, they didn't make a big deal out of them breaking up or something. Uh, here I just wrote, I don't like this show. Olive and TJ are very cheesy. Uh, isn't Olive underage? TJ's a college student. This is just fine with her parents. And then in relation to this drug dealer business, uh, he, he there's a quote from Michaela, or, or from Zeke. He's a scary guy, talking about the drug dealer. And then a quote from Michaela, and I'm a cop. <laughs> yeah, and he's a drug dealer that has money to have people 
break in your house and beat people up. Or kill you. Like, like, I, I, I'd say fear's a little, uh, you know, okay here. But... And I'm a cop, okay? Cops get killed every day. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote, how does she think she could go undercover when her and all of these passengers have been on television all the time for five years? Five years. Well, probably a lot. And the, first, the first year and then the fifth year. They were like, eight, two, eight, who? So, like, I don't know how, you know, you think that you can just go undercover and have nobody recognize you. Like, oh, I got a hat on. <laughs> Sunglasses. Uh, like, you know, Superman's biggest disguise is always a pair of glasses. <laughs> anyway, I, ho- I wrote, I hope when Netflix does this show, it's better. Alex is a girl. Interesting. Uh, that was the Alex that Zombie was always texting. And they kind of made it a big reveal. Um, okay, emergency exit. That's where my next notes lead. This is episode 7. As Ben and others try to make sense of the crashed, smoldering airplane calling, he confronts Adrian to discuss his preaching and the negative attention it attracts. Olive and TJ share their research about the creator of the Alzura's tarot deck with Ben. Michaela confronts Zeke about the pills she found, but he claims not to know about them. Zombie's latest experiment results in the elimination of the mutation. Meanwhile, numerous 8 to 8 passengers are invited to an event at the club where Isaiah works with an offer of free champagne. However, the champagne has been spiked with gamma hydroxybutric acid. Right after Cal gets a repeat calling to save them, Isaiah locks the club's doors and starts a fire to prove the 828ers are miracles. While Ben, Michaela, Zeke, and Jared are able to get several people out, numerous unnamed 828 passengers die from either the champagne or the fire as TJ throws themselves on top of Isaiah and a distraught Adrian walks away from the fire. So they weren't that important. <laughs> right. So, uh, so out of the whole series, the plane decided that the people who are the main cast of this show are the most important people on that plane, and everyone else is just peasants. That's the way I see it. Yeah. Well, one note from this episode, at one point, Ben, like, texts Adrian, like, and, like just as, like, a peace offering, just like, hey, you want Or I think, well, also, I think, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it might have been that weird dude that, you know, had the, uh, you know, called the whole thing on for spiking the drink and all that shit. They have this text conversation where it's like, you know... You want to uh, you want to get a drink or whatever? And it's like I just found it funny that Ben like didn't find anything fishy about that. You know that Ben's just like, well, I'm a good guy. People want to hang out with me. Whereas it's like you assaulted him, <laughs> and you think that like you just gonna get a drink? Like what? Uh, what'd you think of the whole club scene? And now it's time for jail stories with Harley. Part of the show where Harley comes out and tells a jail story. Now today is a legitimate jail story where he thought he was gonna get his ass beat. By a white supremacist. Alright, so white supremacists actually were kind of cool to me. So, like, obviously... I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> like, obviously, when I'm walking down the street here on, in the real world, um, if a white supremacist was to say hello to me, I probably would, you know, say hi and then not want anything to do with them. So... <laughs> But in prison, it's a little different. Everyone has, or at least most people, not you know myself, I don't have any markings. So, white supremacists liked me, um, or at least they liked what I looked like. So, I was approached by a good amount of them that, you know, wanted to pretty much just ask if I needed, like, protection and shit. But sure. I wasn't really, I, I'm, I'm cool. I don't really need protection or anything like that. So, all I did was, you know... 
play softball and shit anyway, so yeah. I really stayed out of the way. But um, so fucking white supremacists again got along with them, but I didn't talk to them very often. Um, there was one dude though. I'd seen him a couple of times at the chow hall, and again, you're in prison. You don't really want to talk to people. You don't want to talk to people unless you really know them. Yeah. Right? So, because you don't know how long someone's been locked up. You don't know what their headspace is like. You know, you don't know what their charge is. And if somebody's in prison for, let's say, murder, they might not think twice about at least beating the shit out of you. Sure. Right? And if you're disrespectful, uh, I'm, I'm only a visitor there. Right? So, if I'm disrespectful, they're, they're going to... They live there permanently. They're there for a long time. Yeah. I'm not there for very long, right? So, like, I'm not going to try and disrespect anybody or anything like that, right? So, with that being said, again, I'm, I've am i been approached by these people, so I forget, like, what the right type of, like, uh, tone is, right? Sure. So, I, I wanted to preface this story by telling what it's like to be a white supremacist in a prison in Ohio, right? Sure. It's, uh... It's pretty lucrative. It's pretty lucrative business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, I, this is about. Uh, it's probably about a month before I'm getting released, right? So, um, I'm very comfortable. You know, I I've, I've got my friends and shit, and like I'm. You you get to recognize the faces, right? It's not like, it's not like I recognize every person at this camp because there's a lot of people. Well, okay. Well, I'll figure we're it out. Have the, we're gonna have the preface. We'll get to the story then. Yeah, just okay. do the story. I'll figure it out in that. Yeah. So, white people suck is where I was kind of going with that. Sure. Um, white people in prison suck. So, okay. Were so really we were cool to you because the way you right, look. White, white supremacists were cool to me because of the way I look, and I had kind of already like learned how people acted and shit. So like that was my preface. So now, on to the story. So every day in prison, you have a very very you know tight schedule. You know you get counted at the same time. You eat lunch. Breakfast and dinner at the same exact times. You go. To, there's lights on and lights out at the same time. Right? By the numbers, right? So it was lunch chow. It was lunch chow. Sorry, excuse me. It was dinner chow. Dinner chow. Because breakfast and dinner chow are usually a lot lighter than lunch because in prison, a lot of people cook for themselves. So okay. um, just there's, you know, there's food, there's food boxes people can buy and then commissary. So for lunch, a lot of people don't eat the state food or they'll make their own food. So it was dinner time because there wasn't a lot of people. And uh, so I walk in with my buddy and my buddy is also a white supremacist. He had a big old swastika on his chest Blah! right here. I was <laughs> like, I remember I asked him about it. I was like, Hey, uh, you white supremacist? And he looks down and he's like, Nope. <laughs> I was like, I like you. I was like, I kind of like you, man. And I, I ended up becoming my buddy in there. So, yeah. uh, but just the way he said it, he was usually like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but after talking to him a little more, and that's the thing, you know, not to, not to go off topic too much, but that's the kind of the cool thing about, maybe not cool, but once you learn, like once you're in there and like learn that people are just people, it doesn't matter if they have, you know, uh, a swastika on them or they have, you know, a blood or a crib or, you know, their KF or anything like that. Like a lot of people just respect each other no matter what. And like, it was cool. It was, man, again, I keep saying cool. But it was interesting, I would say, that, like, I would be walking around with this dude with a swastika on his chest, and he'd be dapping up black dudes. They'd be like, hey, mm. Chuck, what's up, man? What's up? Like, they respected him. Like, it was cool because they knew him from the streets. They knew him from when he was, like, on the streets or whatever town he's from. So, 
I don't know. I don't know if I'd call that cool, but right, right, right. I just think it's a different. It's a different world in inside of a penitentiary, right? Sure. So again, anyway, so me and my Nazi friend, we go, we go to dinner. <laughs> me and my Nazi friend are going to dinner. Sure. And um, we walk in, and the way the chow hall was set up, it's got two different sides, but you walk in, and there's one line, and I was in a low security prison, so it didn't matter. Like it wasn't like there were people getting beat up or stabbed in in this chow hall. It was a fucking chow hall. Like, sure. Imagine like a imagine like a um. Like a college, like, um, you know how they have, like, their... Or imagine, like, a hospital cafeteria, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like a hospital cafeteria. You walk in, you get your food, you sit down and walk out, right? Yeah. So, um, I walk in, and it's nothing but white dudes in there, right? Yeah. And, like, and, again, on the outside, in, like, in, in, the, in the real world, I don't notice those things. But yeah. in prison, I notice that, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, like, why is it only white people in here, right? So, I walk in. And I'm sitting there in line, just shooting shit with my buddy. And the guy who's standing in front of me in line is a white dude. Big white dude, bald head, and tattooed all over. And on the back of his head, it says, Weiss Spots. Now, it's German. Okay. Now, I took four years of German in high school. I don't remember a lick of it. Sure. Weiss Spots. I'm like, I know Weiss is white. I know that. But I'm like, Spots? I'm like, that could be play. Maybe he has white play on the back of his head. Let me ask him. <laughs> and Okay, so I don't know what I was thinking. I really don't know what I was thinking. Like, yeah. I think it's my ADD or something, but I'm sitting there while my buddy is talking at me, and I'm sitting there just looking at the back of this guy's head, pretty much just trying to recount in my head like a 1990s like, fucking computer. This steam's coming out of my head like what does that word mean man yeah and i don't have google i don't have a phone i can't this is prison i'm like then listen you don't realize how much google is a part of your life until you're sitting there like what does that mean like until you need google more <laughs> yes, than you dude. ever knew you needed ever needed in your life dude yeah quick side note we were trying to figure out what the fucking uh uh the capital of pennsylvania was for like an hour and a half dude mm. like we i asked probably 30 people what the, the capital of pennsylvania Pfft. Dude, Pittsburgh. Oh, it's not Pittsburgh. I keep running around. What's the capital of Pennsylvania? It's Philadelphia. No, it's not. I keep running around. Finally, I end up going to the fucking CO. I go to the corrections officer like, sir, I I can't. What's the capital of Pennsylvania? He's like, oh, pulls out his phone. It's Harrisburg. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, so... I had to freak out about the Pennsylvania thing. So, all right. So, Sweet. anyway, so back to the main story. I asked the guy, again, he's standing in front of me. On the back of his head, it says Vice Spots. Okay. And I tap him on the shoulder. It's white something. <laughs> tap him yeah. on the shoulder. Another, another light mistake. Tap him on the shoulder and I say, hey, uh, I know what Vice means, but what does Spots mean? And he turns around. At first, at, I think tapping the person on the shoulder in prison is a no-no, but I'm not sure, sure now. But I tap him on the shoulder, he turns around and looks at me, and looks down, again, I'm six foot, so he, had, he looked down at me, and then he turned back around without answering me, and then he tapped on the dude in front of him, and had him turn around. So now, I have two white supremacists, really three if you count my quote-unquote buddy, because they turn around and look at me, and my buddy turns around and looks the other way. I'm like, are you fucking serious right now, dude? So I have two white supremacists looking straight down at me. Yeah. And my buddy turns the other way. Oh, shit. And they go, he goes, means pride. And turns back around. 
<laughs> oh, like, oh shit! Oh my god, dude! <laughs> you thought oh, you were gonna dude. die. I thought I was gonna get. Oh my god, dude! I was like, oh. And in the moment, though, I'll tell you this. In the moment, you know, I'm just like, hey, and this is how fast it happened. I'm like, hey, hey, what does, what does spots mean? And he turns around, and goes, it's pride. And turns back around. But I swear to God, that was like a million minutes, dude. I was like, oh my god, dude, because this is a big motherfucker. This is a Dude, and he's definitely there for murder. Like, I don't... Oh, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and try to read a book by the cover or anything like that. But this dude's here for murder, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This dude is here for killing somebody, and I'm very glad that I was white in that moment and made a white mistake. Like, ask a white person what white pride was. Yeah, yeah. Because I think I probably would have gotten at least punched on if I wasn't white. So, that's my story about... uh Asking a white supremacist what white pride means. So, And that was Jail Stories with Harley. Back to Content Crisis. That was probably... That was that was kind of an intense scene. Sure. Not like intense, like, you know, heart beating, like sweating, like you're watching, like, oh my god, what's going to happen? But like... No, it's a fair but, dramatic but scene. You, yeah. But you're like, oh shit. Oh shit, they're locked in there. Oh shit, shit's falling down. Oh, that person's dead. They're dead. They're that, dead. That's dead. He, yeah. They're dead. It was a good scene. I liked the scene. Very, uh, a lot more, uh, one of the more interesting episodes from that series. Or from that season. Yeah. I'm not sure, uh, I know which one it is, so let's go ahead and read episode 8, because I know what episode, what episode that note's referring to. Uh, Olive is still devastated by the events of the nightclub, because TJ doesn't come out. And she's, like, hella dramatic about it. She's not a good actor, either. Uh, following an extra meeting, Simon advises Jared to keep an eye on Billy as he can be a loose cannon. Billy! Michaela and, and uh, Drea witness Jared leaving the bar and kissing Tamara. After Drea infiltrates the bar and interacts with Billy, Michaela finds that Billy has had some arrest records. As the ruined nightclub is used for memorials, Ben's latest calling takes him to a Zen meditation center. He brings all of another chanting calling leads them underground where they find TJ still alive. With a warrant from Judge Trilling, Michaela secretly plants a bug in the bar, obtains evidence Jared is working with the Xers, and gives it to Bowers. Bowers privately shares the information with Jared. Sanvi kisses her former lover and fellow doctor, Alex, in a park. Alex, who is married, later confronts Sanvi at the hospital about the incident, saying it cannot happen again. Sanvi has no memory of the event. Uh, and I'll go ahead and read episode 9 just so, because I think, just so all the news. Was. Oh, no, go ahead. Was I the only one kind of a little surprised when I found out the zombie was gay? Or at least bisexual? Like, kind of... Oh, I mean, yeah. That's, it threw me off a little bit. I was like, was huh? The, yeah, that was, was like, kind of the point of the reveal. I was yeah, like, this whole time I thought she wanted to, like, jump Ben's bone or something. Which she probably still does, but, like... I yeah. felt like I felt like there was some sexual tension between Ben and zombie. Maybe it was just on Ben's end, you know? Maybe I... Maybe she's bisexual. I don't know. Could mm-hmm. be. If I can quote Seinfeld. Not there's anything wrong with that. Not there's anything wrong with that. Cause, of course. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see those two together. I think they'd make a good couple. I think my only note about this episode was just, can something in this show just make sense one time? The show is all questions, no answers, and there are two more fucking seasons. And in relation to episode 9, when Zombie's all crazy, well, we'll just read episode 9. Uh, when Zeke goes to see Zombie about the frostbite, he is slowly developing. He finds that Zombie has been developing short-term memory loss causing him to call in Alex. Two internal affairs agents arrive at the 129th precinct to presumably discuss Jared's involvement with the Xers, but they instead question Michaela about the cases she solves using mysterious means as well as her interaction with Isaiah the night of the fire. 
Michaela states that she will not continue until she gets a union representative by her side. Jared confronts Simon about the situation. Simon says Michaela is a threat who must be disposed of. Cal's latest calling is shared with Ben, Grace, and recuperating TJ where they try to build something during what appears to be a thunderstorm outside. Thanks to some clues, they manage to pull together a makeshift ship's rigging, which briefly places them on an ancient boat from which they see Flight 828 in, in the sky. They also learn that the ancient mariners who tried to get rid of the Cullings went mad. Alex is able to get a counteragent injected into Zombie as she advises her to be careful. Recognizing the union rep from a previous extra meeting, Jared has to arrest Michaela before the relocated meeting in order to keep her from getting killed by the union rep. Are you sure Zombie just isn't on drugs due to her erratic behavior? Because that's what she looked like in that. Zombie and Zeke are probably the better actors in this show. I, Jared as well. Uh, anytime someone has to be dramatic, it just shows uh, their weaknesses as an actor. Um, but I think Zombie's a good actor. Uh, one thing that is correct about this show is that if an event like this happened like this, the government would totally cover it cover up. It up like Absolutely. This. It would, like we it would, would never hear about it. That uh, plane would land and we'd never hear anything about it. Despite like some new stuff, but like it would be, yeah. It'd come out as like a hoax or something like that. And then we, uh, skip quite a few episodes here in my notes. Apparently, I just got irritated and just stopped started watching. Uh, after Michaela is bailed out, Jared and Kate reveal to her that Jared has been working undercover to disrupt the Xers. Grace gets a calling about a bridge over the Harlem River. She and Ben go there to find Adrian, who had the same calling. Grace's water breaks, and Ben rushes her to the hospital. Never mind, I know what that notes too. Shortly after, Adrian rescues a kayaker from the river. At the hospital, Ben has to make a choice to save Grace or the baby as the specialist surgeon has not arrived yet and he chooses Grace against her wishes. Uh, turns out, the specialist surgeon who can save both Grace and the baby is the man rescued by Adrian. Despite this, Adrian tells Ben he still does not believe the Cullings are ultimately good. Jared is called to the bar where Billy and the other Xers are holding Zeke captive. Simon arrives with Erica and orders Zeke to be killed, which is heard by Michaela and others through the bug. This leads to Simon, Erica... Billy and two other extras being arrested during the police raid. Tamara accuses Jared of only getting close to her to capture the extras, which Jared denies. Uh, Adrian and Cal both have visions of three mysterious shadows of human forms. Um, I wrote, I have to stay, say the hostage situation was well written. Uh, everything in that, I just I thought it was good dramatically, and I thought logistically it, it all worked out. So I liked the hostage situation. It was good. At the end of this episode, um, Grace is like already, like, like, she has the whole surgery, right? And then she just like, wakes up. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been under for surgery before, but you don't just open your eyes. Okay? <laughs> you like, you had to struggle and your eyes like kind of open and you're still so hung over from anesthetic that you can't really open them all the way. And then you pretty much like, you might record a little bit of what happened around you and then you fall right back asleep and you wake up hours later at least that's what happened to me uh of course i'm a big dude maybe they gave me enough to kill an elephant but i don't know anyway um that's not how you wake up from anesthetic just saying it's not like waking up like refreshed on a sunday morning after being able to sleep and you're like, yeah just the way she, she the way she woke up she was just like ah like just like open her eyes all the way like smiled and shit it was like what anyway 
Episode 11 on accompanying minors. As Zeke's death date approaches, Zombie tries to convince him she is close to a cure. Ben and TJ get callings that lead them to rescue a man from a suicide attempt. The man turns out to be Zeke's estranged father, Gordon. And Ben helps a reluctant Zeke make peace with him. Michaela stops a teenager named Oscar fleeing a store, and he confesses to stealing a candy bar. Michaela gets a calling to let him go, and does so while watching Oscar board a bus. She later learns from the bodega owner that Oscar also stole a large quantity of cold medication known to be used to cook methamphetamine. Michaela works with Jared to follow Oscar's steps, resulting in a bust at a meth lab run by ex-con Jace Baylor. Jace and his brother Pete were in cahoots with the bus driver Corey, excuse me, who drove the bus that Oscar got on. At that lab, Michaela gets another calling to let him go, but has to ignore it when Jace reaches for a weapon. Jace, Pete, and Corey are revealed to be the three shadows in the calling that Adrian and Cal experienced. <laughs> in this episode, Zeke is at a Narconics Anonymous meeting, and, like, what what is he telling these people when he says, like, because they're like, you know, he's saying that he's dying openly in the meeting, you know? And it's like, mm -hmm. what are you telling them you're dying of? Like, it's very obviously obvious that your ears are all black and your fingertips are all fucked up. So, like, are, is everybody just okay with the fact that you seem to have frostbite in a heated room? And, like, I don't know. Like, something's wrong. Like, they're like, oh, do we need to turn the AC down? Are, like, Are you cold? Like, <laughs> like I, I have, I'm sorry. Like, a, there's a problem here. You can't... I mean, it's like, I don't know. I guess he could be dying of cancer, but don't people dying of cancer look a little different? They don't look <laughs> frostbitten. They don't look frostbitten. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so how did that conversation look? Anyway, uh, on the guy stealing the, the meth, uh, the cold medicine, uh, if you're making meth, aren't you making decent money? Like, you have to steal the cold medicine? Maybe to get started, I guess. You know, I guess I'm assuming a drug dealer has morals, I suppose, but... Just, you know, like, you see, you think, like, stealing just draws more attention to yourself, so maybe, like, you steal the first bit to get yourself started, you know, and then, like, you know, after a while, then you just buy the stuff. I don't know. And, like, to poke a hole in that plot, the cough medicine that actually has the stuff in it that you can make meth from is behind the counter, behind the pharmacy. And, like, legally, it has to be behind the pharmacy. You gotta take the little ticket up there, they swipe your ID... So how the fuck did the kid, like, do, so is this, is this pharmacy not following the law? <laughs> Are they just putting this fucking strong-ass cold medicine out on the fucking shelves? People just to grab and put in fucking their jacket and shit? Maybe that's why it was such a big deal. Maybe it got behind that counter. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. But, yeah. like, yeah, anytime, anytime I've ever had to go and buy strong cold medicine or cough medicine, the kind that's, like, like one, like, percent short of being fucking meth alone... I've always had to present my ID. They gotta swipe it. You can only buy so many in a sh in, in a year period. Uh -huh. So yeah, that's a little rough. Uh, why is Zeke's dad in the hospital for being tackled? I mean, I know he's old and all, but like Jesus Christ, why is he in the hospital? Um, that was just kind of a plot hole. Like I don't think he needed to be in the hospital for that. And that leads us to episode twelve. Or wait, yes, episode twelve. Uh, call sign. I haven't read all any of the titles this whole time, and I just decided to read that title. Anyway, uh, Jared and Drea try to get a confession from Jace, Pete, and Corey, who seek revenge on Michaela and her family. Ben is a calling to help her, or help a passenger who is racked with guilt, as he was the, also the man who inspected the plane just prior to Flight 828 taking off from Montego. Zombie attempts to contact Vance for help, 
uh, getting her credentials back and protecting her from the Major. Vance reveals that the Major has done her own research on the mutation. Mikhail and Zeke get married. Zeke's mutually estranged parents are both present. And Mikhail's late mother appears to her in the empty chair that was reserved for her. Jace, Pete, and Corey engineer an escape from the bus that is taking them to Rikers. TJ reveals to all that he plans on going to Egypt to continue his studies. Jace, Pete, and Corey later kidnap Cal and hold him for ransom of their confiscated drug stash. On this one. Uh, oh, wait. Nope. I guess we're skipping the notes on that one. I guess I didn't write any notes on that one because this is this is for the next one. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, all these notes are for the last episode. Okay. Uh, Michaela tells Ben and Grace about Cal's kidnapping and takes meth from police evidence to trade for his return with help from Jared and Drea. A pedestrian notifies a patrol officer of the bag Michaela left behind, botching the trade as Jace flees with Cal. Zeke has a calling which helps them locate Cal in the Catskill Mountains. At a remote cabin, Pete frees Cal. Michaela, Ben, and Zeke approach the cabin as Cal leads the three criminals onto a frozen lake. All fall through the ice, but Zeke jumps in, saves Cal, then dies. Within minutes, Zeke comes back to life, appearing free from hypothermia and the death date. Ben concludes that the only way to beat the death date is to follow the callings. Elsewhere, Sambi ignores Vance's request, tracks down the Major, poisons her, and hopes to gathering information. As the two struggle, the sole vial of antidote breaks and the Major dies. Ben has another calling, which Flight 828 explodes and crashes into the ocean. To Jared's disbelief, divers are unable to locate the bodies of the three criminals in the frozen lake. Cuban fishing boat recovers the tail of Flight 828 from the ocean as a dumbfounded fisherman claims that it is from the plane that returned. Okay. First off, th- that whole thing where they take the meth, no. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, you're telling me at the end of this episode, like, if, if we come back in Season 3, which I'm sure everything's just fine and hunky-dory, because that's what this show is, but I'm sure Jared's just fine and he's still a cop, and Michaela's just fine and he's still a cop. So, like, nope. No, can't steal meth from police lockup as a cop. Big no-no. Sorry. No. 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 Anyways. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're really dead set on that part right there. Like, I'm okay with, like, bending truth and, like, just stuff, but, like, fuck, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's some things that's just, like, dude, no. Anyway. Um... For, so then, Christ Lady, mind your business about the lady that's like, you know, being a Karen, basically. Like, the lady leaves the bag, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's a police operator. Uh, no, no, what's in the bag? And then, there's, of course, there's a fucking cop right there. Obviously. Uh, well, wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Ten, you, ma'am, you forgot your bag. No, I didn't. Yes, yeah. you did. Um, this is where Ben, you know, blew up at Michaela. And I was like, geez, he's up. You know, like, everybody makes mistakes, but also this was his best acting in the uh, show so far. The the one kidnapper says about Amber Alerts because they're like, this, you know, there's Amber Alert out. Like, everybody is going to be looking for this kid. And then the dude quotes, people swipe those away to get back to their Snapchats and porn. How true. Um, My two favorite things, Snapchat and porn. Right. You know, that, that makes me think of this thing that I, I made this joke at work one time when we had an Amber Alert come through. Like, Amber Alerts come through and they expect everyone to stop with their own and start running outside, start looking for this fucking vehicle and this kid. Like, right. you search over there. You search over there. There's one that came through and it kind of made me laugh. It was a couple weeks ago. Not that the, not that there was a kid abducted. It was funny. Right. But, like, the Amber Alert itself was funny. It just said, Amber Alert for the whole state of Ohio. 
And I was like, <laughs> I came out from the aisle I was working in, and I looked at some of the people back in the warehouse, and I was like, all right, Mike, you cover Cleveland. <laughs> Courtney, you cover down by West Virginia. Uh, I was like, Todd, cover Toledo. I'll get here in Columbus. Uh, you can get Cincinnati. I was like, everyone go now. <laughs> cover all of Ohio. And go. Yeah. <laughs> And then, so then they go out to, so, I, I skipped ahead in the notes here, but they, they go up to the cabin, you know, because they're looking for Cal. And, so Zeke is, like, on death's door here, you know, getting close to his death date or whatever. Man, just, like, freezing. Just freezing. And so they leave the heat on in the car, they tell him not to go. And so, like, obviously he gets out, because, like, you it's know, this Zeke. show is what it is. And, but, like, the idea that you know he's going to die soon. And you leave him in the hot car. And you leave. So, like, and you know you're going to be gone a little while. So, if this dude dies while you're gone and you come back to this car, there's a dead dude in your hot car. <laughs> I mean, did you think that one out, like, a little? Because that's all I can think about. It's like, you're going to have to get a new car. You can't just drive after someone's died in your car. Well, yeah, you're not just gonna get in and be like, "What's that?" Oh yeah, Zeke. Oh well, oh, Zeke like you're not there. just gonna you're just gonna shrug off a dead smell, dead dude like, smell in the back seat. Rather... You're not. And then where's Cal? Cal sit. You're gonna stuff him. Hey, sit by Zeke. Yeah, he's dead. I know. Okay, I get it. Just, yes, just he's dead. Just sit there. Move him around before the rigor mortis sets in, so <laughs> you have some place to sit. Right. It's like, like, why would you listen? Listen. I have love for a lot of people. You're not going to die in my car. No. At least not if I have a say in it. Of course not. Yeah, at least if I... House, maybe a different story. But right. car, no. You're not going to die in my car if I have a say in it. I'm pretty now, sure... Now, if we're driving we we get shot at and you get hit and you die, that's, that's out of my control. But if, yeah. like, but if like if you're freezing yourself to death, how about you stand just, next to the car? Just get out. Just, can you just get out? You can lean against it and die. I got I got leather seats. This smell's going to be hard to get out. Well, that's what Like, you could die. Like, I'm pretty sure I can get a dead dude smell out of my house, but I don't think you're getting dead dude smell out of a car. No. There's a reason Vince and Jules took that car to the, uh, to the... <laughs> to the there's a reason the wolf wanted to take that car to where they smit to the junkyard, right? Because they weren't getting that smell out of that car. Anyway. Any chance I get to bring up Pulp Fiction. Anyway. Um, That's, what, three times now this episode? Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned how you hate on Pulp Fiction and watch, And I, I made the comment about the Pulp Fiction kit <laughs> with the odo, overdose. Hey, We're on number know, three. We love Pulp Fiction here. Um, okay. Cal definitely would have died of hypothermia. You know, they sit there, like, until morning, until the cops come. Like, okay, I know Zeke came back from hypothermia, or from the, the frostbite, whatever. Okay, but, like, Cal was also in that freezing cold water, and, like, you're telling me he's just gonna sit there and be fine and that... No. Nope. That kid dies. Yeah. From being in that water, and he's always oh, he's in, oh, he's in his coat? Well, the coat's soaking fucking wet. Um, and then, okay, so this was the note. Uh, what? He doesn't die. Wouldn't you be mad if you helped with that wedding and then, like, he comes back in the house a couple hours later and he's just fine? I don't mean that, like, 
mad that he's alive, but it's like, okay, we like did How all dare. this and threw this together, and now you're just fine, and you just walk in and nod at me like, no, no, you you owe me now. Like you guys have to pay me for all this shit. We do. I don't know. How yeah. dare you not die? How dare you? How, how dare, dare you be alive? You not die? I'm gonna kill you now. <laughs> um. Anyway, then I said, doesn't this episode solve the show? Right? Zeke followed the callings, and then he gets out of the water and he dies, and then magically he's just fine. Okay. And then they they made that look like magic too. Like he's just like, and he's just like all the like oh, fucking fine. the lighting effect. Yeah. And just like the like a like spirit they, just possesses whole body. They made it magic. You know. So like this this episode solves the show in essence. Follow the callings and you magically come back to life after you burn alive or freeze to death or whatever. You know. What the hell is season three gonna be about? Season two looks like they were okay with ending it there. But they kind of, you know, put this thing of they find the wing in the ocean of just like, you know, just in case they want a third season, here it is. Just in case they want to pick it up, here's the cliffhanger. Right. But like, they real the way they ended it, they really looked like they wanted to end the show. But then of course, you know, now they can't find the bodies. And so like, you know, of course they leave the cliffhanger. And yeah. So that was Manifest Season 2. And if you can't tell, I didn't like it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. his uh that's his opinion being crumbled up right now because he hates this show so much uh yeah zero eggplants out of five he absolutely hates this show i think i watched it i thought it was decent enough to keep me watching it but i mean i do have my opinions on it the here's season- the thing i'll watch season three so we can do another podcast about it and I can continue the hate train. You gonna watch season four when it comes out? Dude, that said it's gonna be like 20 episodes. I don't know if I can make it through that without shooting myself. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, uh, that was that. We're an hour ooh. 20 in, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. But uh, what's your eggplant rating? Uh, two and a half. Season or the show? Season. Season? Two so what is, what is season one did season one get? I don't remember. Season one was three. three. I thought I thought season one was a little bit better than season two. And what's the preview for season three? Um, soap opera. No eggplant rating. Oh, eggplant rating. Yeah. Oh, give us a tease. Whoa! Tease us with the eggplant. One and a half. Just put the tip in. Oh, we put half the tip in. I'll put one and <laughs> half. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, at Content Crisis One Twitter. Constant Crisis Hotline at gmail.com or yahoo.com. OnlyFans. Don't say. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.